Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Cree Annotators interview series. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. This is an exciting episode. It's the 50th installment of this interview series. And today I'll be talking to one of my all-time favorite creators, Jim Starlin and inker Jamie Jameson, about their work on Dreadstar Returns, an exciting all-new original graphic novel returning to the world of Dreadstar, Starlin's cosmic universe that began in the early 1980s under what was then Marvel's epic imprint. Uh, Jim, of course, is the creator of many Marvel Comics favorites like Thanos, Gamora, Drax the Destroyer, as well as the co-creator of the likes of Shang-Chi. And uh, it really, I feel like there's a co-creator credit deserved on Captain Marvel, even if that's not technically how things work, um, with revamping the character there. And we've got Jamie here, of course, inking uh, Dread Star Returns. This graphic novel will be available in print this June 2021, and you can order now via ominouspress.com. I'll include links in the show notes. Jim, Jamie, thanks so much for joining. Uh, Jim, I want to start with you. For for readers who primarily know you through you know, your incredible Marvel works, 70s Cosmic, through Infinity Gauntlet, um, through your most recent set even of Thanos graphic novels with Alan Davis, what would you say are the biggest differences you see between the story of Adam Warlock and Thanos and Vanth Dreadstar and the High Lord Pavel, for example? Um, there's no Captain America in uh, Dreadstar. Uh, okay, yeah. Basically, uh, they're two different characters uh, in the fact that Thanos is hunger that can never be uh, uh, appeased or satisfied. That's what he, um, my basis on the character was. And Dreadstar is an anarchist who uh, doesn't have a second act. He's very mm-hmm. good at breaking things and bringing down evil empires, but as his past history proved, He's not much good at fitting in with uh, everyday life and uh, being a productive member. Um, that had a lot to do with uh, where I decided to put him when we brought him back 25 years later for Dress Star Returns. Yeah, for sure. No, it's it's an interesting timeline, and we'll definitely want to get to that. I should note here, too, for listeners, uh, we're going to try to stay somewhat spoiler-free for Dreadstar Returns. For those of you who haven't had the chance to read it, of course, um, we may talk about a little bit of plot details here and there, um, but I will try to give a spoiler warning in the episode if we do talk about anything um, you know, plot-related. Now, what was it about this particular Dreadstar story? Um, that made you want to come back. Really, the focus of kind of the crux of the action of Dreadstar Returns. Um, there was exciting, you know, Kickstarter campaign that that relaunched all of the works in these omnibus collections that are fantastic looking from Omnibus Press. What was it about the particulars of the plot of Dreadstar Returns that had you kind of itching to get back to this character? Well, it was putting together the Dreadstar omnibus that got things going again, and. Uh, this little lady behind me uh, was a major contributor to getting me to actually draw it again. And the fact that she kept bugging me for a Dr. Doom uh, sketch, <laughs> I had it blown a hole in my hand uh, and I, I thought I was no longer going to draw anything. Yeah, and, um, I went three years without it, but she kept bugging me for this sketch. And I finally sat down and did it after three years of squeezing balls and doing other exercise. And, found that I could actually draw again. And um, it turned out she's a pretty good inker. Uh, I didn't know this at the time. And <laughs> we uh, found this out as we went along. And we have been working together now for two years, something like that, uh, close to two years, working on uh, Dread Star Returns and the book that comes after it and other little things, Metal Men variant covers and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, so, uh, Turns out uh, we make a pretty good work team, and uh, 
But as far as the plot itself went, I wanted to give everybody, I wanted to, uh, everyone to come up to where they were in real life after the 20 years had been separated from the last story to this one. I wanted that time to go happen in the comic book uh, also. So yeah. I uh, started going through and figuring out where Dreadstar would be 20 years later, Eddie, Willow, all of them. And in doing this, I came across one other character, a minor character from the original run that I always thought I'd given short shift to. I always wanted to give more to, but circumstances and that had forced the story to go in this particular direction where this particular character, who I'm being very cagey about who it is, um, is was put out of the story earlier than that character should have. And I brought that character back for this story because I wanted to do a story about cosmic unrequited love. And that's what the majority of Dreadstar Returns is about. Uh, all yeah. our promotion so far has been at the sort of the, the teaser beginning with him overthrowing another empire, Dreadstar. But that's yeah. not really what the basis of the story is. The basis is in the last... 80 pages of the book, which are another story entirely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have a long box of, of a bunch of the Dreadstar issues that I've been uh, itching to get back to. And this, this gave me the opportunity to do so. And without spoiling it, I will say that if you go back and read your Dreadstar, you can definitely see the clues of who you're alluding to and, and what their story might be. Like after I had read Dreadstar Returns, I was like, oh, of course, like that makes a ton of sense, but I didn't see it coming heading into it, which was which was a lot of fun. I think it, it does make a plenty of sense based on the way the original run played out. Now, speaking of the original run, Jamie, Dreadstar has a lot of history. Um, when approaching a project like this, do you go back to those earlier comics and kind of look at the style and the storytelling? Or do you try to start fresh and bring, you know, your own something different to it? I'd say a combination of both. Um, you know, Dreadstar is a little before my time, so it was an older one, but all the comics I read growing up were before my time. So it was kind of, um, I was, I had flipped through a bunch of Dread Stars, but I never had read it through a whole until um, we'd started talking about this project. And I then decided I had to read the whole, you know, 1500 pages worth of Dread Star. Um, yeah. And I definitely, you know, looking at what was done in the past ink style wise and just getting to know the characters, but then also like Willow, I was like, Jim, she's not hot anymore. Like, this is not sexy. Um, what can we do about this? So, I mean, there was definitely some things that I thought could be, you know, a little updated. And, you know, they're, they're older now. So, um, she got a new... And she's look. not shy about telling you this mm -hmm. as we're going along. She's been very helpful yeah. being a uh, constructive critic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a combination. Uh, definitely with the old, but then with the new. <laughs> But you also should point out that this is really the first time you really inked anything of any length. Of this kind of caliber, yeah. And this is, this was you learning a lot as you went along here. Yeah. And we should add that she got COVID-19 not once, but twice during this job. Oh, my goodness. First, um, before we knew anything that was going on. That was in uh, late January, early February. And then, again, at the end of March, I got hit with the, the uh, European version and... It almost killed me. So yeah, we almost lost her a couple of times here. Yeah, 
that is that is awful. Well, I'm glad you're with us and uh, and doing okay to talk about it. But man, that is a that is a tough 2020 for sure. I know a, a lot of people have had rough 2020s, but yeah, again, glad you're you're healed up and doing all right. I mean, I guess that part of it obviously makes it extremely difficult. Um, but it being your first or longer like length, you know, inking project, a hundred page graphic novel. Um, what did you find yourself picking up on or kind of learning as you got through it? And are, are there things you wish you had known at the beginning that you knew by the end of it? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm constantly, if, if you think you know everything about any subject, then you really don't because there's always room to grow and I'm lucky. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got really great friends and, and I, I asked my friends are these great inkers in the industry, Scott Hanna, Joel Adams, you know, Neil was the one that gave me the confidence to put down that first line, Neil Adams. I was like, I brought in the work to his comic book store and I was like, okay, I'm going to start the first page. And I froze and he walked by a couple times and I'm still holding this, this, this pen. And he's just like, just put down the first line. Just put down the first line. I was like, I, 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 I don't think I can do this. You know, freaking out. Like, and by the end, like, um, you know, just learning, you know, like different, looking through different works of um how people handle textures in the backgrounds or how, you know, like uh, Jim uses a lot of um these like really spacey kind of you know, uh, I, I know the word most of the time. Geometric. No, the celestial galaxies surreal, kind of surreal, things. Yeah. yeah okay. So like, there's a lot of that that's put in the background. Whereas like, if there's bricks and stuff, like I did a poster with them and a Hawkman, and you know, there's like bricks, and <laughs> so there's different types of textures and and such to you know play with. So a lot of blue lines, a lot of if I didn't know how to handle it, practice it before I put it down on that page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And this, you know, as Jim alluded to earlier, it's it gets increasingly cosmic as the book goes, it gets increasingly abstract. Um, are those, are those some of the harder parts? Like, is that more challenging to ink, to, to put detail to when it gets that abstract or is it actually easier? Oh, some way? Answer's going. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Where's this answer going? Little, little green Martians. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some scenes that have it a lot. And then there are pages where you're like, Ooh, I can finish this page today and have a half day <laughs> or yeah, because yeah. <laughs> there's so much, you know, the, the, the celestial backgrounds, but there's, there's some that just, yeah, are the little androids. I won't call them green Martians this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Little green androids. Uh, there's a page where there's a few of them, just uh, a few, just a few. And, uh, She's cursed me out on this one many times. Uh, yeah. I've been calling them in the other interviews, little green Martians, and I've been having to go, they're androids. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So one thing I appreciate a lot about, you know, the original run of Dread Star is that after the overthrow of the instrumentality, there's the series progresses to actually deal with the aftermath, and it, it finds that it's actually quite difficult. I think it's one of the appeals of Dread Star is like, there's no easy outs. And as you kind of allude to with Vanth Dreadstar, the character specifically, he's he's good at breaking things or disrupting things in, in injustices. He's not really great at sticking around and, and figuring out what should be done in that state. Um, in Dreadstar Returns, we're set 25 years or, or 20 some years after these events. What would you say readers who have some familiarity with Dreadstar should know about kind of where the universe is at, like what's the what's the current state of the Dreadstar universe as you kind of conceive of it? Um, in terms of this new rule with uh, with kind of like Willow actually at the at the head of it. Well, Willow, uh, the digital Willow was in charge of the instrumentality and what was left of the monarchy. 
from the original series. And so we bring her back and uh, in this pretty much the same role. Uh, there, Peter David did do some stuff with her uh, spirit coming into another body later on, uh, but that never interrupted the digital version from controlling things. Yeah. Um, the biggest change is uh, Dreadstar finds a way to take his more destructive uh, urges and talents and puts them to some constructive use. That's 25 years later. It, it took him that long. I don't do really smart characters. <laughs> it takes them a while sometimes to figure things out. And uh, that's where we find him. And, you know, he has to come back in when things have gone uh, south back home. But uh, basically, he's found his little niche. And I've, I've wanted to get everybody a little place to get some breathing space before I got back into pulling them into the shit that I come up with. Right, right. So it, at the beginning of this, and this has been uh, somewhat publicized because the preview pages were released as the the Kickstarter was going on in 2020. Um, there's a there's the opening sequence that is very clearly politically charged, right, with Dreadstar chopping off the head of a certain individual. How cathartic was it for you both to give a giant goodbye, to put it politely, to oh. to the Trump era through Dreadstar? You have no idea. Well, he used Thanos, my creation, in a number of political ads, which uh, I thought was bullshit and nonsense. Yeah. He clearly hadn't watched the movie, so he didn't know that the scene he was using is where Thanos loses, and so he put his head on top of that. Uh, so I figured he was fair game for me. And so uh, I did up an anagram, Gave him the wild hair and put his head on the stick at the end of the at the end of his sequence, and it's just uh, I treated this story a lot like a, uh, an episode of The Simpsons. Hmm. That the fact that you, they usually start off with like something like Bart getting in trouble with one of his teachers, but the main story is uh, Homer blowing up the power station by accident. So yeah. we veered into this political thing at the beginning, and then the unrequited love story is where we veer in, and that's the that's the main plot. The rest of it is just you know, a uh, hundred pages gives you a chance to do some curves, Have, having a little bit of fun at the yeah, intro exactly. too. I think there, there's definitely a sense of of creative energy and and having fun with it, which is uh, on a, you know on my level quite enjoyable. So it, getting to that bigger plot, the kind of the center of it. Um, it's definitely something we see, I think like in your warlock comics, even there's, there's a recurring theme of religious institutions as a force for evil kind of control on a galactic scale. Um, at the same time, you know, your work on Thanos here on Dreadstar, there's a return to characters turning into literal gods, right. In these infinitely escalating cosmic scales where you, you somehow consistently find ways to go bigger. You know, it seems like we're at the the whole universe has been destroyed, but then the next story, there's actually a bigger thing. What is it about these types of stories that you find so captivating and worth exploring? Um, they're, they're very abstract, but at the same time, you you ground them intriguingly. Like, what is it about that that you that you like wrestling with? Well, it it becomes a challenge. How do you get bigger than you were last issue? Yeah. Um, and. I was raised Catholic. I'm very much a lapsed Catholic, uh, parochial school up until eighth grade, uh, which they forced me to go to church. Um, excuse me. Uh, forced me to church, uh, you know, six days a week. So uh, religion was it, it was part of my um, upbringing. Impounding. 
Yes, you know, it's in my DNA at this point. Uh, so uh, dealing in supreme beings uh, seemed very natural for me. Gods and demigods are some are the stuff of comic books to begin with. And uh, I feel quite comfortable. Plus, I don't have to draw horses or cars that way. I mean, it's always, always a plus. You know, it's... You go through life and things uh, affect you and um, working those particular things into a cosmic kind of godlike story is the challenge. I mean, this uh, Dress Our Returns is about unrequited love. I mean, that's the basis of the story. The next one, which uh, we're doing now, uh, is about the pandemic basically that we were going through uh, while we were doing this story. And it's about mm -hmm. learning to accept that you cannot control everything. And that uh, there are certain things that are inevitable. And that's why this, uh, the book is called Dread Star versus the Inevitable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, it, it may have the cosmic fringes, but I always try to do a different story. Yeah. And, you know, it's like Thanos, becomes a uh, god through this power, you know, this gauntlet and that. Uh, the godlike character in return, uh, addresses our returns, he's an accident. Uh, and he's not malevolent. He's not a bad guy. Uh, right. He's just, he just triggers bad things. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So, so Dreadstar versus the inevitable is what we see teased next at the end of the return here. Um, you said you're you're both already working on it. What is the intended timing and the planning around that follow-up? Um, I'm 60 pages in. She's 17 or 18 pages in. Uh, we're going to try and get one of these out each year. Uh, we're still in the process of getting uh, the mechanics of it being distributed properly. Uh, so um, we don't have comic book shops set up at this moment it's in the works but uh right now you in order to get dress our returns you have to go to uh, ominous press website and you can order from there they'll sit yeah. there mail it to you uh it's a nice big book you know it's worth mailing you know it's 100 pages yeah yeah so uh um you know and so as we go along we'll have we will have the mechanism set up where everything goes more smoothly right now we're uh, sort of setting up the shop. Yeah, we're we're already yeah. though working on the next one, and the plan is we've already been plotting and you know thinking about the next one. So, so yeah, we've got like about five of them in the works here in our heads. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Jamie, did you did you know that when you requested a Doctor Doom sketch that you'd be in line for years worth of Dreadstar graphic novels? <laughs> was that was that secretly the master plan? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually my our, our art agent Spencer Beck was the one that first approached Jim about it because I had I had asked about it and then I was like, no, I want my Doctor Doom, and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I did make a gauntlet for you, a wooden sculpture. I haven't received it yet, though. It's almost done. Almost done. Spencer Beck. <laughs> we lost the yellow the stuff. Checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But uh, no, I did not foresee this. I was working over Keith Giffen for a while there and uh, mm. doing stuff with him and. You know, uh, Keith couldn't make it to a convention. He did some uh, some sketch covers, and I yanked those sketch covers, and he was like, huh, this isn't bad. So I 
you know, when you approach me with this, I've never done anything this caliber size. So it was a little uh, intimidating, but it's awesome. I mean. <laughs> she had no idea that uh, sketch was going to cost her enslavement. <laughs> <laughs> years years of servitude now uh, producing these these excellent graphic novels. No, it's, it's fascinating. Um, Jamie, are you finding the, the work on The Inevitable um, smoother? Like, do you feel kind of more comfortable and more confident now heading into the, the second one? Left to getting so much practice in. I mean, I was sick for a long time in between that. So um, I'm what they call a long hauler. I do have my days where I'm just like a little bit like, oh, can I do this? But no, I, it's definitely, I'm a lot more comfortable with it. And, you know, like I, you set your pace and you get used to that. Um, I think not thinking about it as a hundred pages, like it's not all due today, you know? So it's just like, you know, take your time, do it right. And, you know, like I, I, I really enjoy inking. It's a very therapeutic thing, you know, and not in office, let's I did office work for a long time. I have so many things I've done in the past and this is definitely more my speed. <laughs> Take good, good, yeah. <laughs> no, nice. nice. Very cool. Yeah. Good deal, Jim. Uh, I I've seen in the past that there have been some, um, some workings done towards like film rights for Dreadstar and, and potential movies. I know at one point it was optioned. Um, I think a, a producer tragically passed uh, quite young and it kind of, it kind of ended that deal. Are there any updates there in terms of like what the future of Dreadstar might look like in, in cross media? Is that something that you're, you're working on or, or talking about? Well, I'm out here in LA now and uh, now that things are leveling off and the norm is coming back in some form or another uh, there's nothing solid, but, uh, I am talking to folks and we'll see what happens. Yeah. To be announced, you know, nothing to be announced now, but that fingers crossed down the line. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'd be really cool. I think that'd be a, a really fun product to see in, uh, in film or on TV or, or wherever you might land there. So mm -hmm. yeah, rooting for you on that one. Mm -hmm. TV yes, series, there's too movie. much. It's like trying to put Lord of the Rings, all the trilogy into one movie. Or... <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which thankfully they did not do. Right, right. Cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, on a related note, uh, it, so in a recent interview, there's comics author Ed Brubaker. He talked about his experience co-creating Marvel's Winter Soldier. And um, in his view, there's kind of a, a lack of compensation. And I'm, I'm abbreviating drastically, but, you know, given the unbelievable success and earnings of those films, uh, this is something where your name comes up a lot, Jim, uh, in, in these types of conversations, because something you posted in 2017 regarding your co-creation of DC's KG Beast and that actually earning more in terms of royalties than like Thanos, Gamora, Drax had at the time. Um, I think these conversations are going to continue to occur as we sort of consider what are what creator rights should be around Marvel Studios and, and these massive, massive media properties. So I have kind of a two-part question for you, um, especially as you know, Shang-Chi is going to debut later this year, another co-creation of yours. Do you think you've been compensated and acknowledged appropriately by Marvel Studios? Like, do you think that has been fair to date or or should that have been more? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm quite satisfied with what happened with uh, Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet and that. Uh, yeah. I did raise a stink myself about that subject beforehand. Uh, Marvel took it seriously, and uh, you know they've treated me very good since then. Um, the contract, the uh, the contract that we had to sign on these things, uh, is was done before how big of things these were, and it, it's not what's in the contract is not really quite fair. And they didn't stick with that with me on the Infinity War and Endgame, so I'm happy. Uh, yeah. I don't know what happened with Brubaker on Winter Soldier and that. Um, 
I do know that the contracts are written that Marvel Disney can be more generous if they choose to be. And if these things are making tremendous amounts of money, the meager amount that is in that contract can be raised. And if somebody, uh, that's Brew Baker in the background. Right? <laughs> um, basically, it, it would be a good thing for uh, Disney to do because it's better PR and would shut Brew Baker up. Yeah. He's, he's furious at the gates. Yeah. yeah. She's only about this big and she's very loud. Yeah. Right here she comes. She's going to come in. And this is, this is Sydney. Uh, hey, Sydney just wants to be on screen. Yeah. But I, I think this is a, a, a battle that they could easily avoid and they should avoid. You know, I mean, they're making lots of money. Be, be fair with the guys who actually created it. You know? Yeah. 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 For sure. No, it seems like that generosity would ultimately be in their best interest, honestly, just in terms of the PR. Um, do you have any, I guess, advice, you know, kind of part two of this, do you have any advice for like current creators or current current individuals in this predicament in terms of like what they can do to safeguard themselves as someone who is, who has done the work now, you know, you've done the work of raising a stink and getting yourself in a position where you are more comfortable. Like what would your advice be to others who, who aren't? Well, if you're starting off, I mean, there is, there has been in the past, I mean, with, with everything that's changed during the, in the last couple of years, working for the two majors is a, a problematic uh, situation. I mean, it's has been good to get your name out there and be, you know, get under comic book circuit and that would give you the ability to create something of your own to get out there and people would read it. And owning your own property is the best way to go. Uh, now, in the last, especially with some of the companies, it's gotten strange over the, during the pandemic years. I, I don't know, during this past year. Um, yep. I'm not exactly, I, I'm not part of it, so I can't tell you exactly what's going on, but it doesn't seem like it used to, is as good an idea as it used to be. But the my best bit of advice is try and keep the copyright. That's it. I mean, you want to own these your creations. Uh, you'll get yeah. a lot more out of it in the long run. Uh, and, you know, the freedom, the artistic freedom of owning your own thing is, is worth the money you'll probably lose at first by not being connected with the big companies. And now in the last year or so, that's not even the case. Sure, sure. Is that something that you kind of... I mean, was that your thinking? Was that part of your process when you launched Red Star with Epic? I mean, a big part of Epic's launch in the early 80s was like, yeah, the creators will keep the rights to their own material, which is, you know, I think, it, I don't know the legality of it, but I'm assuming a big part of why you're able to, you know, launch a Red Star returns and these Kickstarters and things like that. Um, was that something you were very cognizant of even in, you know, the early 80s about like, yeah, I, I really should be owning the copyright to more of this? Well, the Congress passed a, a law um, outlawing the practice that both Marvel and DC did in the old days, which if you endorsed your, your check for cashing, you were signing away all your rights. Mm -hmm. And so you now had to sign a work for hire contract before you took on any work after this law was passed. 
And so um, a number of us didn't want to go that route. We didn't want to be uh, completely work for hire. Uh, there's folks like Chaikin and uh, Wrightson and uh, Jones included in that who were artists who went off to do their own uh, work at that point uh, away from the companies. And I did the same, this, this same thing. And uh, at one point, Marvel realized they wanted to pull some of these people back in. And that's where Epic Comics came in. And uh, my return to... Uh, Tomorrow was through that, and I did some more work for hire for them along those lines, but I also did Dreadstar. Yeah. And so I have the rights to that character, and, um, you know, uh, uh, Thanos, whoever, you know, whoever Marvel wants to have do that now, they do it. Uh, it's their property. Uh, Dreadstar is my baby, and uh, I get to do what I want, and... Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's more pleasurable. I got to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Oh, no, I'm glad to hear that. Um, so Jamie, let's, let's start with you. What other projects do you have coming up next? Um, any other things that, that are on the radar that you want to make sure people know about? Um, well, I've been working pre COVID. I was working on a project. Um, uh, I'd been working on a project pre Dreadstar. Um, then I got sick. So um, I'm working with a friend of mine, um, Adriano, and we're still in the early process of that. But uh, Jim will also be working in on that. We've, we've got a couple projects that we're working on currently together. And I'm also um, going to be working with Joel Adams. Um, I have a concept book. It's not comic book related at all, more like a self-helpy kind of fun thing. And I uh, want to work with Joel Adams on that. So quite a few things that I... Uh, Dreadstar keeps me busy. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. And Jim, for you, um, before we get to what's coming next for you, you know, so there is the the Shang-Chi movie coming later this year. Um, that's another co-creation of yours. I have, I guess, two questions. Uh, one, will we see you in it? And two, um, what are you hoping to see? Like, what do you hope they do with that movie? I'm hoping that it won't be as dark as what Engelhart and I first produced. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It will be. Uh, it looks like it's going to be another fun romp for Marvel. Uh, yep. No, there will be no com uh, cameo appearances this time around. Uh, they were shot the majority of it during the quarantine, and I'm seven years old, and I was not about to be flying out anywhere to uh, yeah. do two yeah, minutes in the film. Especially during a pandemic. Yeah, and plus, they, uh, as, I as I heard, that they, the fires over there uh, in Australia really damaged a lot of sets before mm. And even after the quarantine was over, they uh, they couldn't go back just because of the restrictions on travel. But so they had to finish it off in Atlanta. So I, I know next to nothing about this. I'm going to be surprised and as pleased seeing this come September as everybody. But uh, I uh, I just didn't have uh, you know no I'm not I'm not part of this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, did, uh, what what feels more unlikely to you in terms of being a, a 2021 potential smash hit like the cosmic side of things like Gamora and Drax and all that being household names or the emergence of Master of Kung Fu which in reading interviews with with yourself and Englehart from the time like that was kind of a I guess it was like you know it was a little trend chasing but it was also like DC passed on that at the time it was kind of a hard sell is it is it kind of like shocking to you that that's that that's you know potentially going to be a massive thing now not shocking because 
of all the properties up at Marvel, the talk of Shang-Chi being in a movie has been going on a lot, much longer than you know Captain America or any of those. Uh, sure. Uh, at one point, Stan Lee was talking to, I think, Bruce Lee about it when Bruce Lee was alive. Mm-hmm. So there was always this uh, talk of it. Uh, the biggest surprise is it's actually going to finally happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, basically, uh, I, I'm what is going to be the big hit? I'm sure Gunn's uh, return to the the Guardians is going to be terrific. I mean, the the other two have just been so much fun. Yeah. Uh, I, I I want to lobby heavy to get a cameo in that last one. <laughs> yeah. Give me my two cents in, James, please. Uh, I'll, I'll be the waiter in the bar. Why don't give me a shot at something just so I'm sure. I, that on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the bar's named after you, so I, I feel like you <laughs> could at, at minimum wait it. <laughs> like that. But, uh, yeah, uh, but I think Shang-Chi's probably going to do well. Uh, the Eternals, I can't figure that one out. That one looks mm-hmm. on so many different levels, so I guess we'll just have to see on all of them. You know, were you a fan of those were you a fan of those Kirby comics? The Kirby Eternals uh, originally? To tell you the truth, I didn't follow them as much because I was not working at Marvel at the time he was back there. I think yeah. I was doing the, the Batman and the stuff over there. It was, it was before the Gauntlet, and uh, I think it was like during the death of Captain uh, of Robin. And so at that point, the companies weren't handing out the comps that they used to. It used to be that everybody in the business got comps from both companies. And as time went along, uh, first, I think it was DC, they wouldn't send Marvel theirs, and then Marvel wouldn't send theirs. And now nobody gets comps anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So it's it's gotten different. So I wasn't, I was, I'm aware of them, uh, Icarus and uh, uh, other characters, but I couldn't give you a, a, a history on them. No, I'm not there. I wasn't a follower of that particular book. Sure, sure. Gotcha. So we've got Dreadstar The Return, which is coming in June. Again, we'll include links here in the show notes. Exciting return of both the Dreadstar universe and, um, of course, yourself at the drawing table, which is great to see. Jim, what else, uh, what other projects should people be looking for from you? More Dreadstar. Um, Yeah. Jamie and I got a number of things we've talked about. Uh, We were... We have one project in the works with Rags Morales, the artist. Yeah. And uh, once again, the thing about this business is you you work on things that you can't talk about for until they actually hit fruition. Yep. And so I can't even give you a title for these things at this point uh, without ruining things. Sure. But sure. we are doing things. It's, I'm not sitting here twiddling my thumbs. We have work we're doing. Oh, yeah. No, it sounds it sounds busy. That's great. Um, Jamie, where where should people find you? Where should people look for more from you? Um, to the right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Instagram and as James Jameson, and then they can find me on Facebook. Uh, since the pandemic, I have been very bad about posting, but I'm getting back to it. I mean, during a pandemic, there's not a lot to post. Here's another picture of my dog. Here's my cat, Victor Von Doom. Mm-hmm. Here's Clover. You know, like... Here's my bedroom. Here's my kitchen. <laughs> so your your cat's name is Victor Von Doom. That's amazing. Oh yes, he has Victor Von Doom, and it is very fitting. I actually the ongoing joke was, "Do you want a cat?" Because I found him as a kitten, like right before the pandemic, and yeah. I was like, "You want a cat?" Does anybody want? I've got to find this cat a home. He's so bad. He's so bad. And uh, yeah, he did find a home. 
it's mine. <laughs> and now you know why it wasn't a Thanos sketch you wanted from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did not want. No, I, I can appreciate that. I'm a huge Doom fan myself, so I, I can definitely love that. <laughs> I've been trying to get my my wife to consent to Vaughn as a middle name as a little homage to Victor Von Doom, but so far no go. Oh, <laughs> I've not been able to win that battle. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, uh, Jim. Uh, we know Dreadstar is coming. We know there's going to be a link through Ominous Press. Um, is there anything on social where you'd want people to connect with you? I have Facebook and Instagram also, and I am uh, probably even worse than she is at keeping up on it. Uh, I am posting things as we do interviews for this uh, book. Um, yeah. Same. Oh, and I've got Twitter. I don't really use that, but. But, you know, the, the, you know, if you want to find out where I'm going to be, it's, it's Facebook or uh, Instagram. I'll try and post things there as, as well I can. We're going to do a couple of conventions coming up. Uh, we have one in uh, Washington State in June. I'm not sure where that's at. Uh, upstate Washington State. I don't know. <laughs> Presumably, yeah. And uh, at the end of July, we are going to be at Terrific Con in uh, Connecticut. So cool. you have those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just close. The return of cons. It's a big deal. I I was at the last. I was at C2E2, which was February 2021 or 2020 rather. Um, and it was even in the, even at that moment, it was everyone being like, this is going to be the last con clearly. Like everyone was doing the fist bump. If that, you know, like it was clearly COVID was here and uh, Jamie, as you're all too aware, it was here. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was the last con that I've been at and maybe the last con that's happened. So glad to see, uh, you know, people are getting vaccinated and feeling, uh, potentially comfortable doing that in a, in a reasonable fashion. So that, uh, hopefully you can have fun attending and, and not just be panicked the whole time, which is kind of what I was last year. <laughs> yeah, we did Mexico City uh, this, in the middle of March. Yeah, it was. It was. We didn't really know the extent of what was going on in the world when yeah. it all went down. But I, like I said, I had it in late January, early February, and apparently it was already here in November. So, I mean, yeah, hit twice, not fun. <laughs> yeah, that is that is some awful luck. But again, I'm I'm glad to see you uh, doing better these days. So, um, final question for both of you: What was your? And you don't have to spend too long. What was your favorite part about uh, Dreadstar Returns? Like, what was what was the thing that you enjoyed the most? Me, it's the coloring. I think. Oh, I, interesting. I really had a lot of fun uh, working in Photoshop this time around. Yeah. Um, Me just. I mean, the, surviving, the, surviving, and getting to <laughs> made it. Yeah, finishing that last page. Um, no, I think uh, just the whole process of learning new things that I would never have thought of before, or learning to ask questions. I mean, like if something on the caliber with so many different things. You know, like uh, it, it was just the whole aspect of it. I just liked um, just doing a whole hundred-page book. It was really fun. Awesome. Awesome. And it's done and it'll be uh, out in the world here soon in June. So I definitely recommend people check it out. Uh, I do recommend you check out the whole Dreadstar universe, frankly, um, which you can find these awesome Omnibus collections you over at Omnibus. By going to Omnibus Press. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They mail it out, yeah. The Omnibus or the new, the new book. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So we'll include that link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, thanks so much to both of you for joining. This was a really fun conversation. Um, again, for people listening, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com, at comicbookherald on social. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be back next week with interview uh, creative theaters number 51. But yeah, Jim and Jamie, thanks so much for joining me for my my special 50th interview uh, episode. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on the 50th. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, 